Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. That is simply something that I've entitled Taking Ground. Everyone say Taking Ground. I want to share with you something that's close to my heart and hopefully it will dovetail off the back of um, what Dr. Ray Andrews shared this morning. I don't know who was here, who was not here this morning, but for those of you who were here, who enjoyed Dr. Ray Andrews this morning, wasn't he amazing? He was, he was, he was. And if you weren't here, the great news is you have not missed out because you can download his message on our podcast or go to our website and get his message there. Either way, it's available to you free of charge. The only thing I can't make you do is listen to it. We've made it available, but I can't make you listen to it. Like the old adage goes, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink can lead you to the podcast, but we can't make you listen. But I pray and trust that you'll take full advantage of our podcast and our website and all the messages that are available for you to listen to again and again and again, because it will bless your soul. This morning for me was a tonic, not just for my spirit, but also for my soul. Anyone else feel like that this morning? We also had the privilege, Kath and I, to go out for lunch with him, which was just amazing. He can talk. Oh my goodness me, he's amazing, he's an inspiration. I hope to have that much energy when I am his his age, which is just awesome, awesome, awesome. Isn't it amazing we had someone of his ilk and age, and then we've got Lauren up here, who's who, what, 17, 18? How old are you, Lauren? 17. Wow. Well, she was just 17, and you know what I mean. And the way she looked was way beyond compare. Can I dance with... I always thought it was with her mother, but anyway. (laughs) Any Beatles fans out there? Awesome, taking ground. Father, I pray that you'd help me share your word tonight. That you take my words and use them to minister deep into our spirits. That we may leave this place changed for the better. And we ask that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. If not, why don't you look on the screen. Joshua chapter 1, reading from verse 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. This is not information. This is separation taking place. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the river Jordan into the land that I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place on which your foot shall tread, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, to the, from the great river to the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. There are so many portions of Scripture there that we have used to encourage ourselves in the Lord. How many of you have found yourself saying, He will never leave me nor forsake me? Yeah. 
Every place on which your foot shall tread, He has given it to me. How many of you, when you are filled with faith, have declared those promises over your life? Amen. And why not? They are there in the Scriptures to grab a hold of and lay claim to for your life. And I wish, I wish, I wish things just stopped there. Because right there, it's really encouraging. Moses is dead, but his promise is still alive. And I'm going to take you and the people, just as I promised, into the promised land. Every place on which your foot shall tread, the Lord will give it to you. He gave them an incredible, vast geographical uh, map in which they were to conquer. And it's an incredible, incredible uh, moment in the life of Joshua. Yeah? Yeah. Shall we read on? Then it says... Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws of my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may succeed wherever you go. Do not let this book from the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate upon it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be able to be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will give you, sorry, will be with you wherever you go. I don't know about you, but when God first started speaking to Joshua, there was nothing to be afraid about. There there was nothing to be strong nor courageous about. God was just going to give us some land. And now all of a sudden he seems to change his tune and say, now be strong and courageous. I'm thinking, why wouldn't I be? You've just told me you're going to give us a land. I think somehow, sometimes that's how we think when God gives us a promise. It's just going to fall into our lap. And God says, no, no, I need you to be strong and courageous though. Okay, fair enough. Okay, cool. But you're going to give me the land, right? Yeah. And then he says it a second time. Uh, Be strong and very courageous. At this point in time, I'm thinking, what, what's coming my way that I would need to be strong or courageous? Because you've just told me I'm going to have the land. Well, I was excited up until now. And then he says a third time, be strong and very courageous. Do not be afraid. And I'd be like, I wasn't until now. I was not afraid until you told me not to be afraid. Now I'm very afraid. Yeah? Um, This is what I've found to be true when it comes to following God is that He doesn't reveal all of what is about to come your way. I think back to myself as a young 24-year-old when I was asked to lead a church. Our pastor came to me one day and said, hey, would you like to lead your own church? And to that point, I had never thought of leading my own church. I never wanted to be in ministry. I never wanted to lead my own church. I never aspired to be a pastor. It was not something I desired nor wanted. No one ever spoke about. Any of those who knew me at that time knew that I never, ever spoke about being a pastor. It was never on my wish list. It was never on my to-do. And yet, when that was presented to me, I said yes, because I thought that I could preach, I thought I could pray, and I thought I could read my Bible, and I thought, I, I, I can do that. And God says, okay, that'll do. And He didn't give me any more information about what I was needed. I just said yes to that. And I'm so glad that sometimes God doesn't give us all the information ahead of time. For those of you out there who are saying, I want to know the will of God for my life and I want to know every detail. I want to know what I'm getting into before I say yes. No, you don't. 
If you knew what you were getting into, you would never say yes. And God knows that. That's why He doesn't tell you everything. If you're ever wondering why God is silent, it's because He knows best. If He told you everything that was coming your way, you would run a mile. If you told me as a 15-year-old boy turning into a young man that in 10 years from now, I would be leading my own church, I would have said, get me off this planet now because that was not on my radar. At that point in my life, I was gonna play definitely for Manchester United (laughs) and I was gonna be the star player and make a lot of money playing soccer. That's probably as far as I could think. And yet, life did not always turn out the way we think it should or would. Are you with me? Yeah? The reason God said be strong and courageous is because God knows that there are some difficult times ahead when coming to take new territory and taking new ground. Because whenever you are taking territory... Whenever you're taking ground, it means somebody else is losing it. And whoever is losing it is getting mad. And we serve an enemy that is not just going to let you have what he presently owns. He's not going to just give up lightly. He's not going to give in easily. We're not going to be able to take new ground without a battle from time to time. And we have to be prepared for what lay ahead. And in order to do that, we need to be strong and courageous. In Joshua chapter 12, verse one, it lists some kings. It says, these are the kings of the land whom the Israelites had defeated and whose territory they took from the east of the Jordan. And so we see from Joshua chapter one, there was a be strong and courageous. By the time Joshua chapter 12 comes, there's a list of 31 kings that had to be defeated. 31 kings, 31 battles, 31 opponents. And yet God said initially, every place on which your foot shall tread, He has given it to you. He didn't say you're gonna have to fight. He just said, be strong and courageous, don't be afraid. And I feel like for us as a church, collectively and individually, there is ground to be taken. And that's not gonna come to us easily. It's not gonna be given to us on a plate. It's gonna come with some opposition. And uh, when that opposition comes, we have to keep a right attitude, which is why I think what Dr. Ray Andrews shared this morning is so important to what I'm sharing here tonight. God wants to give you territory, but there are going to be some kings that we have to overcome. There's going to be some obstacles in the way. And every king that Joshua had to face represents some of those obstacles in our life. We have to uh, be be able to overcome those obstacles in order to possess the land. There is going to be some challenges and there's going to be some bad news on the way. We had the privilege of hearing from Lauren sing to us tonight, but there have been some challenges along the way for her to be able to give and bring what she gave and bought tonight. Those things, those moments don't just happen. 
People like Elise and others have had to come alongside her and say, hey, hey, Lauren, uh, uh, look up. Hey, uh, lift your head. Hey, 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 sing with, a, with, with some Adder. And all those conversations have to be had. And there's a risk at every moment that Elise's heart can be misunderstood. At that moment, hearts can get hurt and people's emotions can come into play. And yet, Lauren has been able to take on board those challenges and those changes. And in the last 12 months in particular, has been able to grow and fashion and forge her way forward and to stand up here tonight and to be able to bless us and encourage us. And in so doing, she's taking new ground. But it didn't just given to her. Well, sorry, it wasn't just given to her. It didn't just come on a plate. You have to fight. If you had some time with Lauren, I'm sure she'd talk about some of the mental demons she's had to face, some of the uh, uh, emotional lows and, and some of the questions she's asked of herself. Can I do this? Am I really the person to do this? Do I really want to do this on a bad day? And yet she's been able to overcome those moments in order to bless us tonight. Why? Because she's taking new ground. Opposition comes in many forms. Sometimes it's through gossip, just negativity can be a form of opposition. Sometimes opposition comes in forms of circumstances, things that are outside of your control. Some things are just outside of your control. You can't do anything about, but it's opposition nonetheless. Sometimes it's just us reaping what we've sown. Sometimes we've just made some bad decisions. Or sometimes we've made our best decisions, but they weren't didn't prove to be good decisions, but they were our best decisions, but they weren't good ones. And so there's a consequence to our best decision, which wasn't necessarily a good decision. Now we have to live with the consequence. There's some of the opponents that we face. So there's gossip, there's circumstances, there's reaping what we've sown. And there's sometimes we get bad news from just doing the right thing. Sometimes you're just doing the will of God and you just get opposition and bad news comes your way even when you are doing the right thing. And all of these things can be wearing on us. All of these things can try to cause us to become negative in our thinking and ultimately give up. And you know what? When we give up, the enemy wins. The opposition that comes our way, the purpose of that from the enemy's perspective is to cause us to give up and to give in. That's his purpose. The purpose of opposition from God's point of view is to strengthen us and to encourage us and to bring us into being the people that God wants us to be. Amen. And so what I want to do this this evening, just real quickly, is look at some of those kings that I've had to face. And I'm sure as I've had to face them, you've had to face them. Just want to look at three. There's a list of 31 in Joshua. I could go through 101, as I'm sure you could, but just want to look at three. And then four things I want to look at what we can do in overcoming. And then I'd have to pray for some people tonight. How does that sound? Fantastic. The first thing that we may need to face is demonic activity. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers and against authorities and against powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Now, anyone who knows me knows that I'm not a spooky guy. I'm not the guy that sees demons and everything. I'm not the kind of guy that questions why you're wearing your hat backwards. What does that mean? Remember back in the day, we used to, if you play your records backwards, uh, it had this subliminal message. I was never that guy. I just thought to myself, why would you ever want to play your record backwards? 
You know, like it just didn't make sense to me. So I'm not that spooky, weird guy, but I do know this, that not every thought you have is from you. And I do know that not every thought you have is from God. I do know there are some demonically inspired thoughts that come our way and there are some demonically inspired conversations that actually have nothing to do with the person you're talking to. There's demonic activity taking place and we need to be aware of the enemy that we face. I believe so much of what takes place in church life and so much of what takes place in marriages actually is spiritual. And if we are not aware of that, we're just going to get caught up in reasoning and arguing and debating and trying to win an argument. And that's not where it's at. We need to stand against the enemy in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so I want to say this, do not be surprised. And I say this not to scare you, but to prepare you. Do not be surprised when things happen when you step out for God. Do not be surprised. Again, we're not going on a witch hunt here. And Dr. Ray said this morning that, you know, too many Christians blame the devil for everything and and we're not here advocating that either. But we need to understand sometimes things are just demonic. They're just demonically inspired. And we need to be able to fight the good fight of faith. But here's the thing about the good fight. It doesn't always feel good. I think sometimes we interpret that the good fight should feel good. Now, it doesn't always feel good. And we can't go by our feelings. Yeah? Number two, so that's, that's a very real king. That's a very real opponent that I've had to face over the years. Second one is, and this may surprise some of you, but just anxiety and stress. I want to keep this real. Anxiety and stress. See, when I was a kid, I never worried about anything. How many know what I'm on? When you're a kid, you just everything's everything's okay. The only thing I really worried about when I was a kid is Port Adelaide Football Club winning another premiership because back in the day they won every year and it just annoyed me. Just used to it's about the only thing I worried about. And Central Districts never won a game back in those days, and uh, so that was about the only thing that really concerned me back in the day. When you're young, you don't have all the worries. But it's as you get older and you get into relationships and you take on a mortgage and you've got financial commitments and relational commitments and you have children and and, and then you're like, you know, looking after those precious kids and wondering what on earth they're doing and where they are and then they get their license and now there's more concern and more stress and more worry, uh, if not left unchecked, yeah? But it's a very real thing that you and I have to face. I, I remember back in the day, Going way back to 1998, our church had been going for four years. And we had this opportunity to lease a property where we could meet as a church full time for the first time. And the lease was $30,000 per annum. On top of that, we needed to spend a whole heap of money just to do the building up. And that may not seem like a lot of money to some of you. It may seem like a lot to some I don't know. But back in the day, for us, it was a massive step of faith. And we did the calculated risks and we thought, this, this is a God thing, we can do this. And, and I felt God say, every place on which your foot shall tread, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It was one of those moments. And I wish I, wish I could tell you that I never lost an ounce of sleep, uh, but I can't tell you that. I would love to be able to tell you that my body did not break out in a rash, but it did. And this was something very real for me 
that I had to face at that time. And when you're lying in bed awake at night, scratching yourself till you're bleeding, and the only reason that you're awake scratching yourself till you're bleeding is because you've said yes to God. And you've taken on a property that you feel he said yes to take. And at that moment, every bit of me just wants to give up. At that moment, it's just easy. This is ridiculous. This cannot be the will of God. It doesn't feel good. And I remember either giving up or settling that this is God. And this is what I had to do. I had to acknowledge that anxiety is a sin and I had to repent for my sin. And then I had to ask God to help me manage those anxious thoughts. And with prayer and a little bit of ointment, the rash cleared up. I got my peace, began to sleep well. We moved into the property. And by God's grace, he did some incredible things. All the money I thought we'd have to spend on doing the property up, the, the owner of the property said, we'll do that. It's like, wow, I worried over nothing. I got anxious and stressed out over nothing. Do you know most of what we worry about never even happens? Yeah. Yet we still worry. The Bible says don't, but it doesn't mean we do. It doesn't mean we don't, sorry. <laughs> it says don't worry. We, we, know, we know what the Bible says, but putting it into practice is more difficult than knowing what it says. And that's why the Bible says be strong, not in your strength, but in the Lord and in His might. And it says I rested back on Him, and as I rested back in His might and His strength, the peace came, the rest cleared up, the joy returned, and that was many, many years ago, and here we are today. And this service that we're experiencing today would not have existed had I given up at that moment. It's just part of taking new ground, taking new territory. There are things that went down during the building of this property that I felt like giving up and giving in, and there were some anxious moments. And each season, there's been anxious moments. And I thank God, I think I stand as a trophy of God's grace, not that I have never had anxious moments, but by God's grace, we've overcome and gone through them by His grace. See, anybody can give up. Anybody can give in. And that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. He wants to bring the opposition so that you'll give up. And more often than not, he'll do it when you're vulnerable. It's interesting to me when the devil shows up in the life of Jesus. He shows up when he's a baby, when he can't defend himself. There's a demonically inspired king that said, kill all the babies in Bethlehem two years and under. Because he got wind that this Messiah, this, this child of God had been born and he didn't quite know where or who or how. So he said, anyone two years or under, just, just kill them. And Joseph threw a heavenly inspired dream, escaped to Egypt. But there were babies that died in that city. In that little town of Bethlehem, babies died because of a demonically inspired king trying to stop new ground being taken. When Jesus was just a baby, when Jesus was vulnerable, when Jesus was dependent upon the hands of humans, the enemy attacks. Another time we see the enemy come to Jesus is in the desert after he's been fasting for 40 days. I don't know if you're anything like me, but when you're tired, you get toey. Uh, and when you get hungry, you get toey. Tired and hungry is not a good time to talk to me. Anyone else know what I'm on about? Yeah. Not the best time. Tired and hungry. And here's Jesus. 
he, he's, he's, he's been fasting in the desert for 40 days. And guess who shows up? The enemy. And what does he do? He says, hey, turn these stones into bread. The other time he shows up is in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is about to face the cross. He's sweating droplets of blood and there's the enemy again. When you're vulnerable, when you're down, when you've got a rash, when the good fight doesn't feel good and when those moments of anxiety and stress can get a hold of you, they're one of the ploys of the enemy to stop you taking ground. He wants you to give up. He wants you to give in. And I want to encourage you as a church collectively, but where you are individually, to not give up, to not give in, but to stand your ground. Another king I've had to face, and this may surprise some of you because I have a big world and lots of friends, but loneliness. Loneliness is a very real king for me, as it is for many of you. For the single mum, loneliness is a very real thing. For some of the bosses who lead corporations and businesses and have got staff, it can be lonely because you're misunderstood. For some of the dads in this place, it, it, can, it can be lonely because your kids don't always get where you're coming from. Yeah? And these are things that can stop us giving up and giving in. At school, when you're trying to live a Christian life and there's not much Christian evidence around you, it can be lonely. You get a lot of friends. Until you mention about why you're not having sex before marriage, then all of a sudden it gets lonely. And that loneliness is designed by the enemy to stop you taking ground. It's to make you give up and give in. These are very real kings that you and I will face in order to take new ground. You can't go into a school and say, I want to I see my school one for Jesus uh, without expecting some opposition. The devil's not going to just give you that school. And so things will come your way. It could be flirtatious advances. And if that doesn't work, it could just be ridicule. Whatever it takes to get you off point is what the devil will use in order to stop you taking ground. I could go on and on and on about some of the kings, but then it would just get really negative and really depressive. But hopefully those are three things that have just got us all on the same page. Who can relate to those three things? Some of the demonic activity, some of the things just like just have to deal with. Some of the loneliness and some of the stress and anxiety that we face. And it's true for all of us. You run a business, you'll face it. You get married, you'll face it. You have children, you'll face it. You go to schools, universities, wherever it is, you'll face it. There's stress, there's worry, there's moments that we will face. And I'm here to encourage you today not to give up and not to give in. And so some of the essentials to overcoming kings, number one, you've got to stay connected to your why. You've got to stay connected to your why. You know, for Joshua, it was about the promised land. It was not about the comfort of the fellowship in the desert. It's amazing how people acclimatize. When they, they were in um, Egypt, they were whinging and complaining 
about the slavery, the moment they came out, they wanted what they were comfortable with. Why have you brought us out here, Moses, to die? They wanted to go back where there was garlic and where there was leeks and where there was slavery. They didn't like this newfound freedom in the desert. But after 40 years, they got quite comfortable with it. And God had to say to Joshua, hey, uh, I didn't bring you out here to settle in the desert. That's not why I brought you out. We never left Egypt to settle in the desert ever. It was about getting to the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. We had to remember the why. And you know what? There are two and a half tribes that settled this side of the Jordan. They settled in the desert. And yet that was not the promise. The promise was to go beyond the Jordan and take the promised land. We've got to remember the why. The season that we're in as a church, we're moving from a local church, and God bless every local church. Thank God for the local church. But we're moving from a local church to, a, sorry, to an apostolic house. It's something that has been prophesied over our church from its inception. It's taken time to outwork, but we are in a very tangible, real season where we are moving from a local church where everyone enjoys everyone to an apostolic house that has a global influence. That is not something that is just an ego trip for me. This is something that God has put on this house and changes have needed to be made and are being made and will continue to be made in order for the why to be fulfilled. It's interesting to me, so much that we're experiencing today is what was prophesied about. That we'd be a large, healthy, local church. And so much of the things we used to talk about, we are living in the promise of that right now. And some people haven't actually remembered what actually we talked about, we're actually living in. And now the dream has grown and there's more to come. And so we've got to stay connected to our why. Kath and I have to get on a plane in a few days' time and go to America to be part of a conference that Chris Veenan's putting on. And many of you would know Chris because he's ministered in this church many, many times before. And that may sound really exotic to some of you, but there's a cost that comes with that because we leave our family. It sounds, oh, it's just awesome, it's amazing, but there's a cost to it. And then there's a part of me, honestly, right now, in the life of our church and where we're at, I, I want to be here. Our team know this. And it probably if it wasn't for their encouragement to go, I probably wouldn't. Because they understand actually we're called to something bigger. There's a global influence that this is on this house and we can't shrink back in this season nor at this time. And so with a smile on my face, but a tender heart, we'll get on that plane and we will minister and we'll have a great time and it'll be amazing. But I want you to understand the why we do that. It's not just to get on planes because we like planes. It's not because we don't like our families, love getting away from our family. It's not that I don't like our church. I love this church. If, if, if my call was to have a local church and this was it, I, I would be very, very happy. But there's a bigger why at stake. And so when you're asking yourself questions about this, that, or the other, let's attach those questions to the bigger picture, the bigger why. Because Joshua's saying, hey guys, uh, we, we weren't called to settle in the desert. We were called to go to the promised land. But I like it here. I've got it comfortable. It's nice. 
the tendency of human nature is always to settle. It's always to go for comfort. But I thank God for men like Joshua and Moses and David who just didn't settle, but just kept pushing the envelope and moving forward. So we've got to stay connected to our why. Number two, we've got to keep your negative emotions at arm's length. We can't avoid negative experiences, but we do have control on how we process them. Dr. Ray Andrews said this morning, it's never what happens, but how we view them. Life is never about what happens, but how we see it and how we view it. Again, I want to encourage you to get the recording of today's message by Dr. Ray Andrews. It will bless you. He said many things, many things. But I think probably one of the takeaways was when he was talking about that berry in Africa that has to be added to food that is unpalatable. And when the berry went into this unpalatable food, it made the food edible. And he went on to say this, what is your berry? What can you put into your life circumstance? What can you put into your life's situation that makes your unpalatable season palatable? What can you put into your unbearable circumstance, unbearable situation that can make your situation not only bearable, but enjoyable? Yeah? See, we're not called just to survive. We are called to thrive in life. And I don't know if any of you heard that and have done your homework, but I want to give you some homework tonight. If you do not have a berry, you need to find your berry. This is your homework for each and every one of us. What is your berry? Let me explain what he means by his berry. He says for him, it was a scripture. For him, it was Romans 11. And he quoted that and spoke out of that for a little bit. But for me, I knew exactly what my berry was and is and has been for a long time. In actual fact, it was the very first scripture I ever memorized. And it was something that my dad said and it resonated with me as a young man. I was in my teenage years and I said, I, I like that scripture. And it was my first scripture I ever memorized and it's a great one to memorize. And so Dr. Ray said this, he said, if you don't have a berry, have mine. I'm telling you, if you don't have a berry, have mine, it's better than his. <laughs> my berries taste better than Ray's. And it's found in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Maybe that's why I liked it, because it was just easy to remember, 1 John 4, 4. It says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I just grabbed a hold of it. I actually believe that. That doesn't mean I won't have bad days. It doesn't mean I won't face problems. It doesn't mean I won't have oppositions, anxiety, stress, worry, loneliness, all those things, but I will overcome. I will overcome. I believe with all my heart that there is one in me that is far greater than any opponent, than any person, than any opposition, than any circumstance, than any situation that you'll ever face. And as a young man, I got kind of agitated when people would say to me, uh, uh, and when I'd ask them, how are you going? I'd say, okay, under the circumstances. I used to get so agitated. What do you mean under the circumstances? Don't you know we're not under, but we are over. We're seated in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers, rulers and authorities. Don't you understand? We have one inside of us that is far greater than any circumstance, any situation that you are facing. I don't mean to be insensitive, but if you are single right now and you desperately wanna be married, I wanna say to you, that's a great desire. But in your waiting, remember this one that lives in you is far greater than that desire to be married. Hold on to that, nurture that, live off that, feed off that. That's a berry. It's this berry in my life 
that named this church. When we first started this church, we weren't Victory Church, we were Victory Christian Centre. And I wanted a centre of victorious Christians because I was tired of people that profess the name of Christ as their Lord and Saviour, but live such low par, subpar lives, whinging and complaining about everyone and everything, going by their feelings, going by their thoughts and not living on the unchanging Word of God. And so I wanted a centre of victorious Christians. We changed our name in 2008 to Victory Church. Now I just want a victorious church, whatever. But same principle still applies. I believe that God wants us living in victory. I like winning and I know you do. And the great thing about being in Christ is we win. We might, not, we might get knocked down, but we get up again. Because one that lives in me is greater. And I've had some knocks and I've had some blows as you have. But we can get up again. And there are some days it's like, oh, that hurt. You ever had one of those just hurts? Takes the wind out of you. You ever been winded by a conversation? You ever been winded by something on Facebook? You ever been winded by a look? Have you ever been winded by someone who ignored you? Yeah. Have you ever been winded by not getting the job? Have you ever been winded by failing a test? It takes the wind out of your sails. And what we do with that moment, what are we going to focus on? Because both are true. God is good and I failed my test. God is true and that person said something bad. What are you going to focus on? Human nature leans toward negativity. And we build a case and we build a theology around negativity. Why? Because it's easier. Instead of just climbing up the hill to where God is. I love Job. Because when he was smitten at every level, when he was just knocked and beaten and battered and bruised and, and all, all the people that he loved in his world were taken from him, in actual fact, his wife was the only one around and she was nagging him. He's probably thinking, God, of all the people you left, why didn't you take her? <laughs> and then he's got three friends and they're just getting stuck in him saying, confess your sin, confess your sin, confess your sin, confess your sin. There must be something wrong in your life because look at all this stuff that's happening. Because they're judging by mere appearances, not picking up the spirit of what is going on. And Job, having lost everything, covered in sores, and they didn't have the cream that I had available back in that day. And he's able to say, I know my Redeemer lives. What a berry to have. Just knowing that no matter what comes my way, no matter what I face, I know my Redeemer lives. Why is it that we're so enamoured, so captivated, so influenced by what somebody said over what God said? We say we're Christians, we follow Jesus, and yet we actually follow what other people say more than what Jesus said. I mentioned I've been stressed and worried and lonely, all those things. That, that's the very real things. But this is how I become. I'm not immune. Pastors are not immune. Pastors are cannon fodder. Anytime you stand in front of people, you are cannon fodder. And so what you are going through, it kind of magnifies when you stand in front of people. Look at our Prime Minister. And Tony Abbott, no matter what you think of him, the way he handled himself was commendable. Well done. Well done. Seriously. 
we have the right to know. He said, we don't even know what we're talking about. If you've said one bad thing about Tony Abbott, you need to repent. You don't know what you're talking about. We don't know the situation intimately enough. And for him to be able to cop all that abuse and all that tirade and be able to stand up and give the delivery that he gave was just so commendable. It really was. It really was. Anyway, that's an aside. Let's not mix politics and religion, hey? <laughs> just need to talk about money now. and we're... Let's take up an offering, shall we? What's your berry? If you don't have one, don't just make one up. But get one. Use mine, use Ray's for now. And if that becomes yours, great. But get one. Get something that can hold you. And it's not just about holding on with... It's about holding on with joy. It takes you to the place you live in it so much that actually, yes, that hurt, but I'm over it. Yes, that hurt. I didn't like that, but by God's grace. And see, He gets the glory. We're not relying on our strength. I'm so fallible. I'm so human, as you are. I think the last 21 years, I've had you in stitches about all my mistakes, really. Whether it's Bondi moments. It's funny, I talk about the Bondi moment, get a lot of laughs, which is really just me hiding behind one story when there's lots of Bondi moments in my life, really. (laughs) Number three, let's get the band up here, that'd be great. Number three, don't plug in, Benno, because I'm going to get you up here in a minute with a microphone. Number three, find someone who's already done it. Find someone who's been there before you. People have gone before you and done what it is that you're doing. Surround yourself with the right people. I thank God for the people in my world. I've said this many, many times before. It's becoming a mantra almost. But I thank God for other churches in this city. Thank God for other churches in this nation. And internationally, people that have been able to help me in these moments. People I've been able to go to and say, have I lost the plot? I thank God for Paul, who, who wrote much of the New Testament. He got taken up to the third heaven. But he was a man. He went to Jerusalem and said, have I, have I run my course in vain? There was people he could go to to help him hold his line. Yeah. And I thank God for Edge Church in South Australia and beyond. I thank God for the relationship I have with Danny, Chris's dad, Jonathan Fontana Rosa. In two weeks' time, we're going to have Matt Stevenson, who's part of the Edge team. I thank God for Edge Church. We are better for that church. We would not be doing what we are doing or experiencing what we're experiencing if it were not for Edge Church. And tonight, I publicly honour them for what they have done in our life. I thank God for Life Church in New Zealand and beyond. Paul and Marie Dion, incredible ministers, people, great marriage. We've married for 33 years. And we get the privilege in four weeks' time to sit under Pastor Marie's ministry. To not come would almost, it would, just, it would almost be wrong. Because she's someone who's ahead of us. She's someone who's experienced things that we are going through, but she's not only gone through them, but come through them. Ladies, tonight, register for the conference Men, if your wife is not here, register your wife. If she doesn't want to come, just knock her over the head. 
drag her by the hair. Don't do that, don't do that. But don't miss this opportunity. These are men and women that have really shaped us and helped us, particularly in the last three years. I thank God for the Life Church staff and team, particularly Scott Thornton, who's ministered here. I thank God for Scott. Scott has kept me sane in this last few years. I thank God for his friendship. I thank God for his insight. I thank God for his help. I know our staff are grateful to Scott. I thank God for another man, Paul Schnell, who's also on their executive team. He's been instrumental in helping us with our latest appointment with Dave Garland. To be able to put Dave and Paul in the room and talk about the role and what it requires to be able to talk about and scrutinise Dave's life, say, is this a good thing? Is this a God thing? Is this something that could work, not work? What can we put in place? It's not just a Tony thing. It's not just a, a friendship thing. It's something beyond. I thank God for that. I thank God for Hillsong Church. Every church in the planet should thank God for Hillsong Church because everyone's got someone from Hillsong in their church. I thank God for our relationship with Sam Demora, who's the campus pastor at Hillsong Church in Sydney. A campus of 10,000 people or so. I thank God the fact he's spent time with Kath and I on numerous occasions. He's spent time with our staff. And just be able to draw from the wisdom of men like that. It's just such a privilege and such an honor. We would not be where we are if it were not for these men and women in our life. If there's anything you admire about me, Kath, and this team, it's just we're a conglomeration of other people's wisdom. Yeah. And fourth point is simply get the help you need. You've got to humble yourself. So we have a tendency when we're struggling to complain, whinge, accuse, rant, and blame. But very seldom do we get the help we need. Whether that's the spiritual help, the practical help, or the emotional help. I thank God for the introduction of Ray Andrews into our life this year. To be to help me at an emotional level. Because every area of our life needs tending. And I was so thrilled that you got to see a man who has helped me and is helping me and our staff at an emotional, holistic, well-being level. And if some of you are inspired to get some professional help and see that as part of the answer? Great. See, the greatest gift I can give you is a healthy me. It's the greatest gift I can give my wife is a healthy me. The greatest gift I can give my kids is a healthy me. That's why you need to go to Sigwo Conference because it's about making you healthy. I'm too busy. If you're too busy to go to Significant Women's Conference, ladies, there's something wrong. You're just too busy. If you're actually too busy to go to a women's conference that's been put on with you in mind, and we've got the world's best to be here to help you, and you're too busy, you're too busy. There's something wrong. There's something out of whack in your life. And that's why you need to be here. Because we don't want you to be that busy. Because the greatest gift you can give someone is a healthy you. And a busy you is not a healthy you. If you're too busy, you're probably too busy. And if you're too busy, you're unhealthy. I thank God for the holiday we've just had. If there's one thing that I think we've done really well as pastors, it's holiday well. And I think a lot of pastors don't do that well. And so we just had a great holiday, got a great tan. So if you want to stand alongside me, that is awesome. 
But my commitment to our staff is to make available Ray Andrews, and we've done that, and many of our staff are seeing him this week. Ben and Elise saw him last week. Kath and myself are going to see him on Tuesday morning. It's our commitment to our staff. But our commitment from our staff to you is seeing him so that we don't minister out of scar tissue, that we don't minister out of hurt, that we don't minister out of unresolved issues. See, often pride is disguised as humility. And we, we say things like, uh, no, I, I'd like to get some help, but you're, you're a busy person. You don't want to see someone who's not busy. Someone who's not busy is usually unemployed, and they're unemployed for a reason. You want to go to someone who, who's actually doing the job. Yeah? You know, if someone says to me, hey, Tony, that was a great word. I've talked about this many times before. But I'm going to say thank you. I'm going to take that. Which can seem like pride. Really? Yeah, because I want to take the compliment. But it's what I do with the compliment after that makes it pride or not. Whether I take, if I take that to my heart and think I'm good, that's pride. But if I take the praise and say, Lord, you heard what they said. You and I know that I could never have done that without you. And I give you that praise. You are the one who made it possible. See, pride can look like this. Oh no, it's all the Lord. And we can leave thinking, gee, I'm good. But we come across looking so humble. I think one of the true ways to define humility is getting the help you need. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 